Welcome to the Mount Olive Baptist Church podcast. I'm Pastor Carl Stokes. We appreciate you being here today with us. Our desire is to preach the Word of God effectively and clearly so that you can understand God's desire for you and your life. Isn't God good to give us a free nation and a free country to be in God's house and to be able to worship according to to God's desire in our own heart how we should live and how we should walk. Turn with me in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5. We're going to look here tonight, uh, today. Uh, This morning I want to talk to you about uh, uh, this passage of Scripture that we find here. But I... uh, Last week, my family and I had a good time on vacation. We had a great time. And uh, a year or so ago, we went uh, somewhere that uh, we hadn't been before. We, uh, as a family, we took time up in the mountains of Virginia and had a good time enjoying ourselves. And and then uh, towards the end of the week, we took a short drive on up to Washington, D.C., and we got to see a lot of sites that uh, our girls had not seen before. I had been up there before and, and gotten to see a, a lot of those places, but this is the first time that we went as a family uh, to to go up there. And, and it had been a long time since I'd been up there to Washington, D.C. Got to see a lot of the Smithsonian Institute and uh, a lot of the different museums. And we got to see a lot of the national monuments. That was one of the things that I wanted my girls to see and to see all those uh, wonderful uh, uh, tributes to people who helped us to have the freedom that we have and to help us to have the, the liberties that we have. And I think it's important to do. One of the trips that I took up to Washington, D.C. when I was younger uh, was to the Capitol building. And we uh, uh, took a picture there on the steps of the Capitol uh, where the Congress meets and, and uh, where senators and congressmen are and and uh, these men and women who decide our laws and decide the the uh, course of our nation and that kind of thing. And uh, one of the other places that we went was uh, to Constitution Hall, and we got to see uh, the Declaration of Independence and that big glass uh, thing that that protects uh, the Declaration of Independence. And and it's an amazing thing to sit there, and and that's one of the things that that I just feed on. I love history. I love American history and I love to look at stuff that relate to our nation and uh, I've been fortunate enough to go see a lot of things uh, related to uh, our nation's founding and our our desire to have freedom Uh, but to sit there and see this document that we all uh, learn about in school and things it was a it was a tremendous thing to to see that uh, that uh, actual document that was uh, written over 200 years ago and one of the things I'd love to do one day is to to have a chance to go over to Philadelphia where uh, the seat of government when our nation was founded uh, get to see Independence Hall there where the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution both were uh, penned and and uh, decided upon and and Today being uh, the Sunday close to July 4th, we all think about uh, this time of the year, uh, the events surrounding uh, the signing of the Declaration of Independence in 1775. And, and uh, <coughs> excuse me, 
Of course, we, uh, we think of 1775 as the time in which we celebrate our, our nation's birth. It was actually uh, several years later uh, before all of that was uh, completed and, and uh, uh, accomplished, but uh, 1775 is when we think about all of those things. And, and uh, one of the things that happened... Uh, earlier in the year, in Mar- around March 20th, uh, the uh, Continental Congress got together in Virginia, Richmond, Virginia, and had the second uh, Continent- Continental Congress there. And uh, they were there to make uh, decisions about uh, the course of our nation. And there was a, a young, fair-haired, uh, freckled-faced a red-headed young man uh, that was only about 39 years old that uh, was part of that delegation. He was there uh, with those uh, individuals, uh, many of them uh, close to his same age and some older, some younger. Uh, And on the 26th, I believe it was, of March, or maybe it was the 23rd of March, he uh, stood up and kind of summarized his feelings as they were deliberating. You see, there were many who who felt as though it was uh, wrong for them to to not try and work out a type of peace with England, to try and work through some of the problems that they had. You see, they uh, they were get uh, England was well, as many of you know uh, from history. You you know about how uh, England was involved in war and and as a result uh, began to to pr- uh, pass on the cost of war to uh, the colonies, and one of those costs was. Uh, uh, found in our nation, the uh, Stamp Act and some of the other taxes that were levied upon uh, the people uh, who lived here. And, and the people began to be more, uh, increasing, uh, increasingly dissatisfied with the way in which uh, their lives were being ruled by an absentee landlord uh, uh, that separated them by a great ocean. Uh, and uh, many of the many of the decisions that were made about how they were living here in this nation were made by people who had never set foot here, who never saw any of the people that lived here, never knew, uh, and and many of the people that were living here were generations away from those who had. Uh, uh, first come from England and so there was enough distance between the people who were living here and those who uh, uh, had come here that uh, and those people over in England that they desired to have uh, what? They wanted to live uh, not with uh, they didn't want to be taxed without representation they didn't want uh, all of these things and so uh, uh, young ba- a young man by uh, uh, let me just give you the quote he said, uh, and I'm going to read it so I don't uh, misquote it. I want to make sure I say it right because we know uh, part of it. He says, he said, is life so dear or peace so sweet as to be purchased with uh, at the price of chains and slavery? Uh, forbid it, Almighty God. Now, all of us aren't familiar with that part, but many of us know the next part that he says. He says, I know not what course others may take, but as for me, uh, give me liberty. 
or give me death. Now, who, who remembers who said that? Patrick Henry. He was only 39 years old. He was a, he was a devout follower of Jesus Christ and he, his desire was uh, to do everything he could to follow after Christ. And so his desire was to, to live in freedom, to have freedom. And, and that's what I want to talk to you about today in God's Word. He's not the first to talk about freedom. He's, uh, in fact, he, he's a couple of thousand years behind in that. Uh, turn with me in, in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5. Paul writes about freedom as well. Galatians chapter 5. And... Um, one of the things that deals with freedom is liberty, right? I mean, uh, Patrick Henry, he said, give me liberty or give me death. He wants, he's wanting freedom. He wants to live free from the bonds of the slavery of the control of, of England. And, and uh, we have a similar desire as well. Paul wrote about wanting to have freedom as well. And I know uh, some of you are speed reading through Galatians 5 to find where it is. It's, in cha- it's verse 13. Look down there. It says, For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. There it is. You've been called unto liberty or freedom. Only, uh, only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For all of the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye not be not consumed one of another. This I say thee, walk to the Spirit, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not, fulf- uh, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh." For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary, the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. So what Paul is writing about is not about the taxation without representation, but rather a different uh, binding that was upon the people of uh, of Galatia that he was writing to. And, and as what happened to Paul was that uh, Paul, when he came into ministry and began to, to share the gospel with people, he was sharing the gospel with many people who were not of uh, the Jewish persuasion. He was sharing uh, Jesus Christ with people who were uh, what was called then uh, Gentiles. Uh, it, basically, anybody that is not a Jew uh, in that day is a Gentile. So guess what? Most of us, uh, I can probably guarantee you, are what? We're Gentiles. We're not... Uh, I, I don't know... Uh, now, I may be wrong, but I don't think any of us here are of Jewish descent. Uh, but if you are, you are uh, not a Gentile if you're a Jew. But if you are... Uh, not of a Jewish persuasion, not of Jewish uh, lineage, then you are a Gentile. That's everyone that's outside the Jewish, uh, uh, not only the Jewish uh, descendancy, but also the Jewish tradition, the Jewish faith. And these people who were uh, opposing Paul, and uh, there were people who, who said, look, uh, what we uh, need for people who are coming to faith 
that you're doing, Paul, they said you need what you need for them to do is you need them to become Jews. They need to go through circumcision. They need to go through uh, and follow all the laws of Abraham uh, and Moses. And you, they need to do all the things that God instructed us to do in how we live as Jewish people. And once they do that, they uh, become uh, Jewish. And then once they do that, then they can get saved uh, and f- become followers of Jesus Christ. And Paul consulted with the disciples and uh, and they prayed about it and they were led to, to say, no, there's not a requirement that these people become Jews before they become Christian. And so Paul was going through all these different places like Ephesus and Galatia and all these other places that he went, Rome, uh, uh, Philippi, and, and all those other places that he was establishing churches. Uh, he was sharing the gospel with them, and he didn't tell them, hey, you've got to become Jews in order to accept Christ. He was just simply sharing Jesus Christ with them. And after Paul would leave and go on to the next place of ministry, the uh, next place of, of service where he was establishing another church, a group of people were following after Paul and they they were known as Judaizers and basically uh, they were Jewish people that were trying to go behind Paul and say, look, all of you that are Christians, that's great, uh, but you need to understand something. You need to become Jews first uh, and then your uh, salvation will be complete. And so Paul is writing this book primarily to combat what these people are doing as he's left those churches and going on to the other places. He's writing back to the churches that he's uh, left and saying, uh, look, you don't need to be bound up with this concept of becoming a Jew. You don't need to allow yourself to be bound by the laws that the Jewish people are following under and living by. You're not uh, bound by those laws. You are been made free through salvation in Jesus Christ. And so that's the liberty, that's the freedom that Paul is talking about. We can't talk about the freedom and liberty without understanding what's binding these people. And the binding is is that they feel as though they must follow under this law, the law that is causing them to to live a certain way, the law that's uh, causing them uh, to, to change who they are before they come to know Christ. He says, uh, he says, For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty, freedom. You've been called unto an understanding of freedom, uh, freedom from sin, freedom from the law, Freedom from, and that's basically what the law is all about: is about helping us to understand that we are living under sin. And the Jewish people, they didn't understand that. They didn't. They did They couldn't wrap their mind around the fact that these laws were to not, not, not necessarily be uh, what they had to live by in order to to gain salvation, but rather to show them the need for salvation, the need for a Savior, the understanding that they couldn't accomplish these things in themselves. And many of the people that were uh, encouraging people to follow under the law, the nomianism of the law, 
uh, were not fulfilling the law themselves. They just were too arrogant and too self-righteous to admit the fact that they couldn't follow these laws. And one of the, the ways in which you deal with failure, one of the ways in which you deal with, with disappointment, one of the ways in which people even to this day deal with the, the understanding of, uh, of uh, imperfections in yourself is you project on others uh, and you um, you displace the blame that you're feeling on yourself. Uh, when you get into arguments with someone, one of the things that uh, that people do is we project. We project on other people our own failures and our own shortcomings. And that's basically what these Judaizers were doing. They understood they could not fulfill those laws in themselves, so they wanted to force everyone else to live by those laws as well. And they weren't understanding the purpose of those laws. They weren't understanding why God desired for them to follow those laws. Uh, and And so these... Uh, people in Galatia already understood they needed a Savior. They already came to the saving grace of Jesus Christ. They didn't need the law. Paul is trying to help them to understand you don't need the law because you already understand the need for salvation. You've already accepted Jesus into your heart. And so that is why Paul was saying you don't uh, need to be bound up in this, this, the chains and the shackles of the law. You've been uh, called under liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh. Now, there were some who took Paul's admonishment too far. Paul says, look, you've been called to liberty and freedom. You don't need to be bound by the chains of legalism and the chains of the law. But he says, look, that doesn't that doesn't mean that you're free to do whatever you want to do either. That doesn't mean that... And there's some Christians that do this even to this day. Some people say, well, I, I've become saved. I'm saved. I've, I have Jesus in my heart. He's given me salvation. I'm free from sin. He allows me to be free from sin. So that means I can do whatever I want to do. I can go out there and I can live like the, the, the worst heathen in the world and, and God will just turn around and I'll ask Him for forgiveness and He He'll just say, yes, He'll forgive me. Paul's saying, look, don't allow this freedom, this liberty that you have in salvation, this, uh, the freedom that Jesus Christ gives you in understanding and knowing your salvation, don't allow that to be a cause for you to live in the flesh. He says uh, that that's the, uh, just as bad as being bound by this legalism and trying to follow the law. You are, uh, and what he's really saying is, is look, you're trading one set of chains for another. You know that. You know what I mean. When when a slave it was bought and sold, he had a set of chains that were put upon him when he was taken into captivity. And that set of chains he carried with him all the way to the, the block in which he was sold upon. And then when he was sold to a new master, guess what? They took those chains off and they put a new set of chains on him. His new master's chains. And a lot of people do that. Uh, Paul says, don't be like that. He says, don't allow yourself to have the chains of sin and legalism taken off for a new set of chain of sin, uh, 
that belong to your new master of sin and lust. And he says, don't do that. You've been bought uh, by the price of Jesus Christ. You've been bought into liberty, into freedom. You've been bought to be free of those chains. And he says, don't allow your freedom to allow you to, be, uh, to put more chains upon you into sin. Into and that's what he means by lust. And, and lust here... Uh, everybody understands what lust is, right? Yes, you know what lust is. Lust is more than just simply having a, a carnal desire for another person. Lust also deals with uh, wanting things. The, uh, lust is what causes covetousness and desire to have something that's not yours, and then that leads to what stealing, right? Yes. Or uh, and or it can lead to envy and a desire to have something so great uh, in your heart and life that you, uh, your life is destroyed by that envy that you have for somebody else. Maybe your neighbor has a beautiful home and you look, uh, you look in that little cracker box of a house that you have and you say, oh, I wish I had that house over there that so-and-so has. Oh, look how pretty their yard is. Oh, look how pretty the flowers are. Oh, look how at this and oh, look at that. And you say, and then you look around your own home and you say, oh, look at the dump I'm living in here. Uh, I wish I had that house. Now, there's nothing wrong up to this point. Oh, I wish I had something like that. But it's what you do with that wish after that that leads to lust, that leads to, uh, to, to envy covetousness and a desire to have something and that and if you don't tame that wild beast of lust uh, at that point it can lead to doing all kinds of bad things related to that envy that lust that desire to have that covetousness and it can lead to stealing it can lead to deception it can lead to uh, all sorts of bad things that you might do in order to gain that which you lust after so lust is more than just after uh, another person. It could be for something else or it could be for money. There's people that lust after uh, wealth and, and they see all the things. Oh, we don't have money to take our kids to this place. Oh, we don't have money to, to have the kind of food that so-and-so has. Oh, we don't have the money in order to have the kind of clothes that so-and-so has. Or my child is bullied because they don't have the right kind of clothes in school or there and look you know the schools try and take care of that by telling the, the kids they're going to wear uniforms guess what there's uniforms and then there's uniforms aren't there i mean <clears throat> those of you that have children that you put them in uniforms there's uniforms you buy at walmart and then there's uniforms you buy at belt there's uniforms you buy at the second hand shop or that you get out of the clothes bin at the school and then there's uniforms that you get <clears throat> out of out of uh Neiman Marcus or, or Macy's or some other uh, high-priced uh, uh, department store or something like that. And so the kids still, even though they're wearing uniforms, they still have, oh, you're not as good as we are. You're un Look at your pants. Those are all those nasty uh, khaki pants you get at, at Walmart. And uh, the other kids are saying, look at my pants. My pants are the ones I, you get at the high-priced department store. Look, that's all lust. That's all... Uh, uh, you you look at that and you say, okay, uh, my, uh, maybe your child has to wear those Walmart uh, pants. I had to wear, look, I wore pants that were retreads from other people when I was in school. 
We were so poor we couldn't even go to Walmart. Uh, we had to we had to go to the clothes barrel where in the in the store where you got the pants for three dollars, and uh, and those were pants that were that were uh, worn by other people and then they just discarded them and they were resold uh, over again. Uh, I, I remember one time I was wearing a pair of those pants. They were brand new to me. Uh, what I didn't know was they weren't brand new at all, and I went to stand up after the bell rang and. I had a breeze blowing up the up, up the back of my body. I sat down real quick, and my my teacher came over to me and he said, uh, "I remember him." Uh, he said, "Carl, uh, don't you know the bell's rung? You need to go on to your next class." And I said, "Sir, I can't go anywhere." And he says, "What? What's the matter? Your legs hurting or something?" I said, "No, sir." He said, "Your feet uh, giving you problems?" No, sir. And, he said, well, what's the problem? Why can't you get up? And I, I told him what happened. And he, he just he went over and got a coat that had been sitting there for about four months. And, uh, and somebody had put it there and never claimed it. And he, he gave it to me and allowed me to wrap it around my waist. And I had to call my daddy to go, uh, come bring me a new pair of pants. Look, uh, I know what it is to be poor. I, know, I still know what it is to be poor. And uh, listen... Uh, uh, God didn't give us money to be lusting after. God doesn't give us things to, to lust after the, the things that other people have. God provides what we need. And and God provides for us. And it doesn't matter if it has Neiman Marcus written on it or if it has Macy's on it or if it has Walmart on it. Uh, God provides for us. And we ought not to allow those that lust within our life to control us and to rule in our life. Uh, it, they just think, guess what? When you come to the end of the, your life, when you're lying in that casket in front of the church, you're not going to care where they got the pants to put on you. And you're not going to carry all the pants and all the, all the fancy clothes and all the fancy boats and, and cars and, and houses that you might accumulate while you're here on this earth. Not a bit of it's going with you. There's not a, there's not a, there's not a moving company in this world that will move you that far. After you pass away, it's all somebody else's. And it doesn't matter. So look, um, Paul says, don't allow the lust of your life to control you. He says, only allow love to be dominant in your life. He says, he says what you need to be concerned with at the end of verse 13 is, is but he says, but by love serve one another. Now Paul is not talking about serving other people in service being your way, understanding of how you get salvation. He's not talking about that. He says, by love, serve one another. He says, out of love, serve. It's not out of obligation. It's not out of, of buying your way into to heaven. It's not to buy your way into having a greater standing in the world. He says, love is to be why you serve. He says, by love, serve one another. And he says, uh, look, he explains himself in verse 14. He says, for all the law is fulfilled in one word. And what's that word? Love. 
He already said it. He says, For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And so Paul is saying is, is in everything, don't allow your life to be, uh, don't allow lust to control you, but allow love to control you. Allow love to be your reason for why you do the things you do. Uh, he says, look, if you allow lust to control you, then you're bound just as much as uh, any chains any slave is bound by. But he says, but in love you gain freedom. In love you gain liberty. In love you allow... Uh, and serving other people. You allow... He says, look, he's talking about the law because remember that's what uh, everybody is, is hammering these believers after he's gone on from this place. And so he says, the law is fulfilled in love. The law is fulfilled in that one word. And doing... He says, look, now, how many laws were there? How many laws? That Well, everybody talks... They were focused on the Ten Commandments that were given to Moses, right? But after Moses had gotten those Ten Commandments, in the following years, there were 639 uh, different laws that were made up. It's called Midrash. And it was, all those laws were, were designed by all these scholars that followed after Moses that, <clears throat> so that the people would be able to fulfill those 10 laws. So they made six over 600 laws for people in order to follow 10 laws. And so he says all 600 and some odd laws are all fulfilled in one thing and that's to love other people. Love everyone else. Uh, Jesus told His disciples this Himself. He says, look, you need to understand that the greatest of all the commandments not is not... Uh, he didn't go through any of the list of the Ten Commandments that were given to Moses or any of the 600 laws that were given uh, after Moses or anything like that. He says, love your neighbor as yourself. And Paul repeats that here. He says, all the law is fulfilled in that one thing. You love your neighbor as yourself. He says, uh, and verse 15 is, is kind of a... Uh, is a commentary of Paul on what they're doing. He says... But if you bite and devour one another, take heed not that you not consume one another. Now what he's talking about is, is the biting uh, is that all the bickering, all the, the backbiting, all the, the snipping at one another <clears throat> that these people had created about living in the law, uh, he says, he kind of does a play on words on that. And he says, look, you're biting at each other and you're snipping at one another. You're saying, look, you don't follow the law as good as I do. Look, my tassels on the bottom of my prayer shawl are longer than yours. I'm more holy than you are. Or I go to the temple and I pray four times a day. Oh, really? Well, I go to the temple and seven times a day and pray. Oh, really? Well, I pray for hours at a time. You only pray for about ten minutes. Oh, really? Well, I make sure not to walk. That's all that biting. That's all that nipping at one another. And we don't do it in those particular terms, but, oh, your hair's not as short as... Uh, Lee, uh, your hair's not as short as, as my hair. Uh, my, I'm healthier than you are. I got shorter hair. Or... or I'm dressed up in a suit and tie on Sunday. You just come in khakis and a and a shirt. I'm holier than you are. No, no, that's that's how we bite today, isn't it? 
Uh, uh, oh, we, you go out to eat on Sunday? Well, we think that we shouldn't do anything but go to church on Sunday. You're not as good as us because we go on home and eat instead of going out. You heard that? You've heard that too, hadn't you? That's how we... Look, I'm not pulling any punches. That's how we bite and nip at each other today. And, but it's the same, it's the same, same thing. We're trying to show how holy we are and to, because we know how all of our mistakes we're trying to project on others, our own mistakes and our own, our own sins and our own things that we do. And Paul says, look, if you're going to bite at each other, at least don't consume one another. And it's kind of a joking way of saying, look, uh, I know what you're doing. You're nitpicking, nitpicking at each other. I'm telling you, you ought not to do any of that and love one another and help each other. But if you're going to do it, at least don't consume one another and you're nitpicking and you're biting and you're backbiting and all that kind of stuff. He's kind of being ridiculous in his comment to show how ridiculous their actions are. He says in verse uh, 16, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not uh, fulfill the lust of the flesh. He says, here's how you do this. Here's how you love your neighbor. Here's how you are able to live and not backbite each other. How you're not able to uh, yield to the lust of the flesh. He says, walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. What does that mean? Walk in the Spirit. He says, For the flesh lusts after the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to another, so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you uh, be led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. He says, look, when you accept Jesus into your heart and life, you've got the Spirit in you. You have the Spirit. Uh, there's a song about that, isn't The Spirit in me. Yeah, uh, I got the Spirit in me. I got this. Uh, there's sweet, sweet Spirit's a good one too. Yeah, but uh, Paul says, "Look, when you accept Jesus into your heart, you have the Spirit. Now walk in the Spirit. Live and walk like you have the Spirit in you." And listen to me. There's a lot of Christians that walk around and they walk around like they don't have the Spirit of God in them, but the Spirit of Scrooge in them. Oh, um, look at them youngins here running up and down the halls. Uh, uh. Oh, looking at looking at them. They're they're always leaving trash in the church. Oh, look at them. They're all doing this. They're all doing, they got they don't have the spirit of God in them. They've got the spirit of prunes in them or the spirit of sour pickles in them. They don't have the spirit of God in them. He says if you have the spirit of God in you, you need to live like you do. Love your neighbor. Love other people. Love on them and do all these things out of love and make sure that all your actions are ruled in love. Make sure that all the things you do are in love and that's the spirit of God because God is love God God gives you a spirit of love and God gives you those th- uh, that spirit and uh, when you walk in the flesh when you do these things that are backbiting towards one another that's the uh, yielding to the flesh that's and what Paul here says in flesh he's not just talking about uh lusting of the flesh and that kind of thing, but he's talking about like he did in Ephesians when he says, take off the old man, the old flesh. When he said, when he wrote that, it was is the concept of, hey, take off the old flesh. Like it, the terminology is like taking off an old suit of clothes, old filthy, nasty clothes, like when you're out 
uh, I've, I've been working in my yard trying to get it to look halfway decent and guess what uh, I'm going to have to start tomorrow working in it again because it just keeps growing up And but uh, I'll, I'll spend half the day out there working in the hot sun and what happens you get all sweaty and smelly and you get grass all over you and, and you get I come inside and Robin will say what's that all over your back and I'm like I don't know I can't see my back and it you know leaves all over my 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 back and everywhere and in my hair and all that because why I've been out there working hard. Now am I gonna am I gonna crawl into bed all stinky and smelly and nasty and all that dirty and everything? No way. I don't even want to touch anything when I'm that filthy. I go in there and I peel off all those old clothes and get in the shower and that's what Paul talks about taking off the old self taking off your old natures like when you peel off those old nasty clothes when you've been out working in the yard all day and got dirt and grass and everything all over you take it off so you can why put on the new robes of righteousness put on the new uh, on the new flesh put on the new self of Jesus Christ and that's what he says here he says when you walk in the spirit you're walking contrary to the old nature of your old self of the flesh and if you try and do those old things you used to do backbiting each other nitpicking on each other that's contrary to the spirit of God and that's contrary to the love that he puts in your heart and life and that's contrary to how we should live. So as we focus today on liberty and freedom, and we think about the freedom of the United States and the freedom that we have here, liberties that we have won uh, because of uh, the desire to have freedom, let's think more importantly of the freedom that we have in Jesus Christ, the freedom that we have in knowing Jesus Christ, the freedom from the sin and the shackles of the law, the freedom of the, the shackles of, law, of the sin that's in our life, and live free to love one another, to love our neighbors, to love those people that are around us. You know, the things that we did this past week of handing out the watermelons to people in our neighborhood, the things that we did, uh, you know, that was just a simple gesture of handing somebody a watermelon. And a lot of people thought we were going coming around selling those things. And oh no, no, we're just we want you to have it for free. I had one person say, I've never had a church do that for me. But that's something that that's the kind of thing that we ought to do all the time. We ought to love, express our love to people, and not just in watermelons, but anything. You know, maybe next time we'll get you ladies to, uh, and all of us will get together and we'll we'll make brownies or, or cookies or something like that, or cupcakes, and we'll just make you know a couple of hundred cupcakes and take out cupcakes to the neighbors or or, or cookies, you know, batches and batches of homemade cookies, just something to express our love. Why? Because everybody, everybody in this world is you don't get anything for free. And when we told them that that watermelon was free, are you sure? Because everybody knows nothing comes for free, right? They thought we were going to give them that watermelon and then sit down with them for 30 minutes or an hour and preach at them. But no, we just said, look, we want to share our love. Look, we just want to bless you. Here's a watermelon. 
And this is from Mount Olive Baptist Church. And that's sharing God's love. That's sharing, and that's what we ought to do. Love each other. Love our neighbors. Not just love ourselves, but love our neighbors like ourselves. Like that we, the kind of things that we would do for ourselves, we need to do for those around us. To show God's love. To show what God has done in us. Why? Well, we've got to exhibit some reason why. They need salvation in their life. We need to show them what God's done in us so that maybe they'll want it in them. And Paul says, don't allow the things that you've that these people are trying to, to do to shackle you once again, but live in freedom. Live in liberty. Live in the freedom of God. In the Spirit of God, the Spirit of His love. Let's pray.